Colin O'Connor. I'm the custom content editor at Genome Web, and I'll be your moderator today. The title of today's webinar is Real World Applications of Clinical Metagenomic Sequencing in Cancer and Infectious Disease Diagnostics, and it's sponsored by Kyogen. Our speaker is Elif Dagden, Director of the Center for Medical Genetics at Augusta Hospital Bochum in Germany. You may type in a question at any time during the webinar. You can do this through the Q&A panel, which appears on the right side of the webinar presentation. And if you look to the bottom tray of your window, there are a series of widgets to enhance your webinar experience. And with that, I'll turn it over to Dr. Dagda. Yeah. First of all, many thanks to the organizer for inviting me to this talk and welcome everyone. So I'm really delighted to, talk, uh, to be able to talk, uh, to give you a very brief overview uh, about uh, different type of new methods using the next generation sequencing technology. And I really believe that um, 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 that this, this has really in the future very big potential to change our healthcare Healthcare, exactly. So, uh, first of all, um, our my agenda. Uh, I will briefly talk about, about our new uh, established center for medical genetics in uh, um, in Bochum, in Germany, and then I will go over and talk briefly about HRD analysis, liquid biopsy, and clinical metagenomics. So we are a very new established center for medical genetics. As I said, it's based in Germany and best part of the uh, of the country. So uh, we, 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 are, we are working on this project the last few years, but we recently, like two months ago, we opened our um, center. Uh, first of all, I am at the moment establishing, uh, uh, because I'm working with many type of uh, cardiologists, I will establish, first of all, cardiogenetics panel. I am, I am testing two different type of methods, which is one is um, enrichment-based, other one is applicant-based cardiogenetics panel, and I will um, um, offer this to the cardiologists for the diagnostic purposes. Then I will go over and work on a pharmacogenetics panels, since I'm also working with uh, two different hematologists, we will also offer different type of uh, panels for hemato-oncology patients and solid tumor patients. Uh, later, I will go over and uh, next project will be working on liquid biopsy. I will talk about liquid biopsy next year. I am also planning on working clinical metagenomics. So... So first of all, HRD stands for homologous recombination deficiency. Um, so um, we have different type of DNA repair mechanisms, but, but for the purpose of this um, presentation, I will mainly focus on single break strands and, and double strand break, breaks. So can you see, sorry. Um, first of all, we have um, for the single strand breaks, we have base extension repair, which is um, uh, working with the enzyme PARP enzyme. And we have double strand break, which uh, 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 when we have double strand break, we have two different mechanisms. One is homologous recombination repair. The other one is non um, um, 
Other one is a non-homologous end joining, which is also uh, a, a mechanism uh, we use uh, during the double strand break. And uh, um, those mechanism is, uh, uh, is known to be important for different type of cancer. So as you know, cancer is a disease of a genome. And when we have different type of um, um, uh, mutations, different type of defects in our genome, which accumulates in, in, in uh, gen genomic instability hap happens, it can, uh, we can uh, have, if you're lucky enough, the cell will die. And if, if not, then we have uncontrolled pro proliferation of the cell and that leads to cancer, as you know. So homologous recombination repair mechanism is very complex. And because I don't have many times, I can't uh, exactly explain whole repair mechanism, but I just want to briefly show you that it's a very complex mechanism. Uh, up to 450 genes are known, uh, which is involving in this mechanism. But um, And what it does, um, um, we use the homologous, the uh, uh, um, homologous, um, a strand uh, 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 as a template and repair the uh, break we have uh, using the um, complementary strand. So uh, if the double strand uh, break happens and you have a cancer which, with, which is um, homologous recombination repair, the FSCNC, we, uh, we now develop PARP inhibitor and I just want to briefly show you how it works. So in a normal cell, if your uh, um, um, homologous recombination repair mechanism works and a base extension repair mechanism works, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the break will be um, uh, uh, repaired and the cell will work in happy days. So if you have a, a cell with homologous recombination um, uh, uh, deficiency, uh, but you will still have base accession repair, which will uh, repair the double strand break, and still the mistake is um, clarified and it, it, it will be repaired. It, it, the cell will still work. So and then, in in case of you you have a homologous recombination repair, not not any homologous recombination repair the PSTNT, and we will use PARP inhibitors. But the, the repairs, uh, the, the, the mutation will still, the, the, the break will still be repaired uh, um, um, through the homologous recombination repair. But in case you have a homologous recombination repair deficiency, and we will, uh, uh, we will use the PARP inhibitor, we, we call this mechanism synthetic lethality. If we use the PARP in inhibition and mutations uh, or um, um, damage uh, will accumulate and our aim is to bring the cell to the death. So this is how the uh, PARP inhibition uh, repair works. So uh, PARP inhibitors are, uh, are uh, used in the, primarily in the high-grade uh, serious ovarian cancer, also prostate cancer, pancreatic cancer, and breast cancer we already use. Like a decade ago, the first PARP inhibitor has been approved uh, by FDA. So we have, at the moment, uh, uh, four different type of PARP inhibitors which have been approved, and three of uh, new PARP inhibitors are on the way to be approved.
So uh, in case you have a, um, a homologous recombination deficiency or uh, if you, you want to test, identify the homologous recombination deficiency, we have two different type of um, uh, uh, opportunities how we can detect the homologous recombination deficiency. And first, uh, 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 the first way is the looking for the mutations uh, uh, that are in uh, that are ca causing HRD. That those are the homologous recombination repair genes. We can sequence different type of homologous recombination repair genes like BRCA1 and BRCA2. Um, we, we, we in our lab uh, sequence 15 different type of genes, but um, there are different type of panels they are using like up to 42 genes. Uh, if you sequence uh, those genes and find a mutation which is pathogenic or likely pathogenic, uh, the patient is considered to be uh, homologous recombination repair deficient and it can be, uh, we can use PARP inhibitors. On the other hand, we can go and look genome-wide. We, we can uh, sequence the whole genome and look for the scarf. So we, we are trying to understand if the, um, uh, the homologous recombination deficiency, if you, we can see any uh, instability within the genome we sequenced. So uh, on the other hand, if uh, we have, uh, when we sequence uh, uh, the 15 genes or 42 genes, and we, uh, we uh, when we find pathogenic or likely pathogenic uh, um, mutation, as I said, they are considered to be homologous recombination deficient. But like roughly 30% of the mutations we detect, we cannot really classify, and they are called to be variant of unknown significance. So we cannot help in this case. Uh, the HRD testing is uh, is necessary also. So um, this picture is very, very important for me, and I would uh, like you to take this picture with your, um, as a home take-home message. So if we, first of all, we, we start here, uh, we have two different types of mutations. First of all, germline, which is heritable, and we have it in all our cells. And the second one is, is somatic, which is only detectable in the tumor. So wh what it means, when we test a uh, uh, 100 ovarian cancer patient, only blood sample, we will, we will find like 40% of the cases will be positive for BRCA1 and BRCA2 uh, mutation. Like 14% of women having ovarian cancer will be BRCA1 and BRCA2 germline mutation positive. But when we look at the tumor sample, you know, when we, when we then look at the tumor sample, then uh, analyze only BRCA1 and 2, we will see like 22% of the cases will be uh, 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 BRCA1 and BRCA2 positive. It means like 30% of them will be somatic mutations. So when we go and look for the HRR genes, roughly 13, uh, one, uh, uh, um, percent um, of the patient will be positive. Like if we sequence not only BRCA1 and 2, and we will go and analyze, like say, 15 different genes, then we, 31% 30, uh, of them will be positive. But if you analyze uh, um, a whole genome and try to understand if the uh, the uh, tumor has a HR is a HRD positive. Then we will have roughly 50% of the 
ovarian cancer patient will be positive and will benefit from the PARP, a specific type of PARP inhibitor. So uh, how do we do HRD testing and detection? First of all, we have three different type of uh, the, the method I'm using in our lab. We have three different um, uh, 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 methods, we, we, three different uh, mechanisms we, we, uh, we analyze. First of all, we look for a loss of heterozygosity. Then we, uh, we, we analyze the uh, telomeric allelic imbalance, and then we will look at large-scale uh, transition. So for each mechanism, we have a score, and uh, the, uh, um, uh, the um, combined score will determine the uh, genomic instability status. If we have a specific, if it's over a specific uh, score, we, uh, we know the patient is uh, gen uh, uh, genome is instable. So because I don't have a lot of time, so I can go into the detail and exactly explain you how we calculate those. But just for you to understand, we, we look in whole genome-wide to different type of mechanism. And if we see in those three different mechanism uh, uh, difference or change, then we know the, the patient uh, tumor is uh, homologous recombination deficient. deficient. So uh, FDA all, uh, already uh, uh, approved many different type of methods for the detection of homologous recombination deficiency. But only thing you have to understand here is different type of method, methods uh, look for different type of mechanisms. And that makes it really very difficult for us in the laboratory uh, so every lab uh, does a little bit different, uh, 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 use a different methods and uh, look for me different mechanism. So for example, the my choice uh, looks for the three mechanism I just talked, uh, and foundation one is only looking looking for LO, LOH. So um, we uh, we have to uh, we have also many um, uh, harmonizing studies. We are trying to be able to improve every day our methods and every day to be able to give the patients a standard uh, diagnostic methods. So, and we could also see that many different type of uh, methods have uh, um, um, uh, have uh, same results. And in our lab, uh, I used um, the um, uh, uh, a panel HRD panel from Kyogen. It had also for me a very historical reason because I was using almost all uh, targeted DNA panels and multimodal panels from Kyogen, and it was easier than to establish a new methods and sequence them all together, and it was also very easily available. So when I tested, I um, and um, uh, like like last um, almost two years, I am like under t uh, one and a half years or two years, I am already using this method in our lab. So uh, one of the uh, uh, reason why I also choose targeted DNA panels or those methods is the benefit of unique molecular indices, which I don't because of the time reason I can't go and exactly explain you what it means, but it gives us uh, in the molecular pathology department uh, a better um, opportunity to analyze very difficult uh, tumor uh, uh, tissues. So uh, for the, in the, uh, um, with this panel, as I said, I sequence 15 different type of genes. Uh, we do whole uh, uh, um, uh, gene sequencing. And just to mention, um, for the HRD score testing, 
you need a tumor tissue with at least 30% of tumor content for many different reasons. So then we if we do um, um, HRD score uh, analysis, we have like almost 14,000 primary genotype whole genome and look at those three those three mechanism I just um, talk uh, uh, we, 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 we uh, a genotype uh, whole um, uh, uh, genome and try to understand if if the genome the tumor tissue we are analyzing is HRD positive or not so uh, and it, as I said it's whole we, we analyze whole genome whole chromosome and try to uh, specify and see if if there is a specific deficiency different um, instability so um i find that dna um ngs data analysis very very easy for the hrd score but the only problem we have is we have to improve uh, with a new uh, version of new um, panels, we have to always improve our our um, score. Um, first of all, if you have uh, uh, DNA files, uh, first of all, I use geno uh, genomic work uh, um, genomic workbench, and we do the variant calling for the 15 genes. I have I will have different type of uh, I can detect different type of uh, a mutation and and also HRD score. And for the interpretation, if I find uh, a mutation between those 15 genes which are not common in the population, I use the um, QCI uh, interpret, um, and I, I try to understand if the mutation I detected, if it is pathogenic, like the pathogenic order or um, variant of unknown significance, maybe also uh, a benign variant. And QCI gave really the opportunity to, with the in silico analysis, and we have different um, access to many databases, many population databases, and many, so to many publications. That makes it easy to um, um, investigate the mutation. I uh, I'm working the last uh, 10-12 years in the field of next generation sequencing, and I I remember the days we also sequence BRCA, Zanga sequence BRCA1 and 2, and we manually, like, it took us, like, three days to analyze just BRCA1 and 2, and now we need just 10 minutes. So, and this method also shown a very, a very good uh, uh, correlation uh, with, from the results with the FDA-approved um, methods. So, and now I will go and talk about liquid biopsy. Uh, it's a very, very um, interesting and um, exciting area, um, uh, the liquid biopsy. What means liquid biopsy? First of all, liquid biopsy involves analysis of nucleic acid release into bloodstream. But I will mainly focus on the bloodstream. But uh, liquid biopsy also means analyzing the nucleic acids in urine, cerebrospinal fluid, sal saliva, or, or pleural effusion. Uh, it is a very non-invasive, as you can imagine, because if we uh, uh, take just blood, it's non-invasive, uh, which is alternative to tissue biopsy. And uh, the, one of the best benefits uh, 
uh, of the liquid biopsy is the early detection. I will come to, uh, to early detection. I will explain you how it works. Um, and allows uh, for uh, tumor profiling, of course. Um, for example, in the instance, instances where you uh, don't have any, uh, any um, tissue biopsy, uh, you, can, you can use the liquid biopsy. If you have a, a case where it's not possible to take any biopsy, you can also use the liquid biopsy to have a tumor pro profiling. And one of the most important, actually, benefits of the liquid biopsy is the uh, re it reflects tumor heterogeneity, uh, uh, which uh, which is for the treatment very important. Uh, it also gives us the opportunity to uh, make a, a biomarker-driven therapy decision, uh, and also very, very, very important for the real-time monitoring of remission, progression, if you have resistance, new resistant mutation, mutation, we can have an overview of the tumor evolution, actually. So um, access to the tumor, uh, it's incredible, but it's 25% of all cancer, there are no access to the tumor. So they're, they're, uh, uh, where we can use the liquid biopsy. And about, uh, it depends in which lab, lab you are, uh, roughly 14 to 23% of the patients did not undergo gone any genetic testing due to the uh, bad quality. It has many reasons. I could really talk uh, about uh, this issue for many hours. So we have really sometimes very difficult problems to having a genetic, um, a genetic uh, profile uh, because of the bad quality, because we are real, uh, using um, FFPE material. And um, uh, other problem we have, like when we when we use conventional methods, uh, we, uh, the NG, NGS or liquid biopsy gives us also the opportunity to um, analyze the tumor broadly. And one of the biggest problem I faced at the beginning of the uh, uh, um, at the be beginning of NGS a diagnostic in the pathology was the uh, insufficient access to the knowledge from the from the clinician. I mean, I could really write a book about uh, about uh, questions I got from clinician at the beginning. It got uh, the last two years better. The oncologists or clinicians uh, got more um, uh, information about NGS. They can interpret now our. Um, our protocols, our reports, I mean. Um, so th at the beginning, we had also the problem with um, insufficient access and to the knowledge. So um, when we look about the biopsying, uh, for biopsy testing uh, uh, in, in case of cost and risk uh, and time, um, when you, when we, like sometimes you really don't need to take the biopsy, as I said, like, if you look at the liver bio, uh, the cost of the la li liver biopsy is, is really very very high and you have the compli uh, uh, complications uh, it can be up to 40,000 uh, uh, US dollars uh, if you have a complication by by the biopsy which is a very big burden like very big problem in the healthcare uh, system so um, and we ex know that Biopsying the patients have an overall complication rate of 5%. So 5% of the cases will have, after the biopsy, a complication. So why to do the biopsying then? So 
that's my favorite slide actually uh um like in the pathology i uh, we get uh ffp material on the right hand side on the top of right hand side you see the blocks so most of the time like um in, um the block finds the ways to to uh, ngs diagnostic department if there is nothing else uh, uh, uh could be done so so we we really have a very big problem with the tissue we have really sometimes just few slides of very little bit of um tissue to to analyze uh and most of the time we can analyze because we don't have enough tissue um and on the other hand uh, uh we get slides and we say we get the slides here and there we can only take a snap we can just analyze a snapshot like say my mutation is a uh, uh, therapy relevant mutation is not there then i have uh, i can't detect the mutation whereas the liquid biopsy give me the, gives me opportunity to see all the all the mutations uh, you see there gives me the old opportunity to see all the mutations um which is in the uh, in the in the tumor example so um yeah uh, just a briefly uh, just one case uh, uh, one of my colleague got a pancreatic cancer he was 50 years old and in he first didn't want any treatment and uh, one day one of my colleague as, uh, assistant came and said elif i have two tumor cases from a patient pancreatic cancer we had just 10% tumor content and i said let's analyze both of them because we know pancreatic tissue is a very one of the most difficult tissue you can get as a human geneticist in your hand so i analyzed both um tissue and when i wanted to report and i look at the at the case and i said oh my god this is my colleague so the the the, pro, the then i analyzed the data one data was positive the other one was negative so if i had chosen one or the or, or other so i might have not catch the mutation which is therapy relevant so in the case of liquid biopsy we have the opportunity to see all the mutations so on that case i really really realize how important liquid biopsy will be in the future time so and uh, what's very important to know is that the uh, the proportion of the uh, circulating tumor dna depends uh, um uh, uh, different uh, parameters so um we know uh, the tumor stage is very very important in a very higher tumor stage we will have a higher amount of circulating tumor dna or tumor size is very big obviously if you have a bigger tumor size you will have uh, more uh, circulating uh, tumor dna in the bloodstream so and the tumor type for example we exactly know that colorectal cancer has way more tumor uh, 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 circulating tumor dna comparing to a brain tumor for example it has different reasons uh, of course metastatic status is very important to an anatomical location it depends uh, if it has a, a more access to uh, bloodstream or not so it it really depends um, you have to know when you do liquid biopsy you have to know what you're doing so uh yes um uh um we have different type of applic uh, application of the uh, liquid biopsy uh, in case of tumor treatment 
or tumor diagnosis. So uh, as I said, early stage diagnosis, uh, 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 there are many reports or uh, publications. They can, we can see that you can also uh, detect uh, circulating tumor DNA at um, even if you don't have any, if you're, even if you're um, um, asymptomatic. And we are also able uh, to sequence um, the circulating tumor DNA uh, looking of the methylation profile, for example, and we could re we can really uh, say like from the 50 different type of tumor, we can say what what was the origin. You can see up to nine months or 12 months before any CT scan can detect the tumor, you you are able to diagnose uh, cancer uh, using a liquid biopsy. Uh, in, in the early stage, as I, uh, and you can also uh, use in the minimal residual disease in also in early stage. So if we go get to the advanced stage, uh, like I I um, I'm working with liquid biopsy the last four four years, uh, we mainly get really very late stage uh, patients where they only want to know if there is any resistance to the previous therapies. So, but we have different type of uh, uh, applications uh, of the liquid biopsy in the cancer treatment. First of all, of course, in advanced stage, the diagnostic we can uh, do. Uh, um, we can use the liquid biopsy to do uh, uh, tumor profiling. Then we can detect uh, biomarkers which are therapy relevant using liquid biopsy. We can also uh, um, we can also use uh, the liquid biopsy um, to uh, uh, to see if the patient is responding to the treatment. So because we can take any time blood, we can use the liquid biopsy and see, if, see by sequencing the circulating tumor DNA if it, the patient is responding to the treatment or, or not. After the treatment, we can, um, we can use the liquid biopsy for the monitoring. And um, in case of uh, um, uh, in case of uh, secondary, we can also look if um, uh, we can uh, again um, profile the tumor uh, in the later stage. Or if, so, but uh, uh, liquid biopsy, uh, 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 you have to. Uh, we have different type of methods how we analyze uh, can uh, uh, analyze circulating tumor DNA. Obviously, since um, a tumor is a small component to whole body, we have to be very very sensitive to detect. You have to exactly know what you're doing. We have different type of methods, uh, PCR based or NGS based, for example. Uh, I will, in my lab, use NGA-based targeted DNA panels using unique molecular indices. I will be up. Uh, I will have the detection level uh, uh, detection limit of 1.0.1 percent. So, but um, in but if you if you look at for the monitoring, you you will have to be a little bit uh, sensitive. So, because I don't have a lot of time, I can focus on different type of methods. So uh, liquid biopsy testing starts not in the lab. 
So it starts the minutes where you uh, uh, collect the sample. Uh, it has to be collected in specific uh, tubes. Uh, I will use uh, PAX, um, uh, 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 so PAX uh, 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 and to, this is very important to stabilize um, the circulating DNA. Otherwise, in within two, two hours or 22 minutes or two hours, it will uh, degrade. So you have to be able to have a very good uh, transport uh, uh, way to your lab, and you have to know which which methods you are using, and you have to be careful with your data analysis. It's a very uh, complicated workflow. Uh, if you don't use the specific uh, um, uh, um, uh, tissue, uh, specific um, blood collection tubes, uh, uh, then you cannot do uh, liquid biopsy. So, um, so it, as I said, it's very, very important to use um, tubes which are uh, stabilizing your uh, circulating um, uh, tumor DNA. So um, we are planning, uh, depending uh, uh, which case we will get up. If at the beginning, I will use the lung cancer panel. Uh, I already use actionable solid tumor panel for detection of uh, a resistant muta mutation in EGFR, for example, for lung cancer patient. Uh, we, we sequence EGFR um, to detect uh, resistance mechanisms. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm delighted and, and looking forward to get the uh, samples and test. And um, yeah, all, the biggest problem we have is uh, is, uh, is uh, in Germany. Um, I don't know uh, how it is uh, uh, in other parts of the world, but we have the biggest problem is the reimbursement uh, and sequencing uh, liquid biopsy tissues. Um, is very, very expensive, and you have to get a very good reimbursement to be able to offer these um, methodologies in your lab. So clinical metagenomics. Um, so um, I really, uh, this picture uh, explains actually everything. I want uh, to tell you the next 10 minutes. Uh, what is clinical metagenomics? We use metagenomics next generation sequencing facility to detect uh, all the microorganisms and to, to try to find out the cause of the infection. So in the conventional uh, uh, testing, I really like the picture. I have seen this picture in a, a, on a presentation from a leader in the field is um, Charles Chu. Uh, it was drawn from a 10 years old guy and I really liked it a lot. Like in the conventional testing, you have a one bag, one test. But in case of metagenomics next generation sequencing, you can sequence whole circulating uh, uh, cell-free DNA and detect the uh, infection, detect the microorganism, which is causing the illness. So, um, so first of all, uh, we are actually um, uh, uh, not human, I would say, but uh, rather than a walking uh, microbial ecosystem. So if you look at our body, a human body, we have like human, like three trillion of, human cells. 
but uh, we have uh, about 100 trillion of uh, microbial cells. So when I saw the, this picture, I was really, really surprised. Oh, um, so when we look at our body, uh, human, uh, uh, we have like 23,000 human genes, right? So, but when you look at the microbial genes, like all the microorganisms we are carrying in our body, we have 2 million genes. So all the microorganisms shed in the, in the bloodstream, they are circulating DNA and you can collect this. And in a way of uh, liquid biopsy, you can collect all the circulating DNA or RNA and sequence it. And, and um, I will show you how, what we can do with it. So uh, as you know, every microorganism, every uh, alive matter has DNA or RNA. So we can sequence by sequencing uh, uh, the DNA or RNA. We can um, uh, we can tell which organism to which organism uh, this um, nucleic acid belongs. Um, exactly. So um, and roughly, uh, to my knowledge, we uh, general uh, we uh, have. Um, sequence about thousand pathogens uh, we we know whole genome sequencing from the thousand pathogens so when we sequence we can with a very comprehensive um, bioinformatic pipeline we can uh, say which microorganism is within the this um, um, uh, collected uh, 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 biopsy so uh, you, I'm sure you know very well the, uh, that uh, uh, now that the microbiome is very, very important in the health and, and the well-being. So there are so many different types of illnesses which has been um, associated also with uh, not uh, uh, um, good balance uh, microbiome. So. Um, um, I will focus here on the uh, clinical metagenomics, but you can use metagenomics next generation sequencing uh, uh, technology in different type of areas also by uh, 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 the micro um, biome research, for example, when we have outbreak investigation or hospital associated infections or food, foodborne infections. So there are so many different type of areas you could use uh, the metagenomic next generation sequencing technology, uh, but I will focus mainly in clinical metagenomics. So um, when we look at the diagnostic, uh, we have different type of problems. So high, we have a very high uh, uh, diagnostic failure because our uh, technologies has different technologies we use for the diagnostic of microorganisms having limitations of, as, as you can imagine like culturing or pcr based technology uh, and uh, we also want to um, identify the resistance for example microbial resistance so uh, 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 and um, uh, and uh, the biggest problem we have in the diagnostic of the in the microbiology labs is the time so it might take sometimes days or weeks to get an an uh, diagnostic like in case of tuberculosis it, it you need four weeks uh, time 
to diagnose uh, this uh, tuberculosis. So um, the time is the um, one of the biggest reasons why we want to use the metagenomic um, next generation sequencing in the uh, in the diagnostic. So when I saw this. Uh, slide or this when I saw this picture, I, I knew why uh, uh, metagenomics uh, and the next generation sequencing technology is important. So um, those are the illnesses, uh, the most important illnesses in intensive care units. So the fevers, uh, uh, fever of unknown uh, um, origin or sepsis, for example, which is my biggest interest. Um, uh, we have about like uh, roughly 50% of the cultures are negative. Uh, at the end of the day, when we do broad uh, diagnostic, like 15% to 30% of the cases are unknown. And in the case of sepsis, every minute is very, very important. So uh, with the new technology, we can get the diagnostic very, very quickly. So uh, in the different type of illnesses, the picture is similar. So we have like um, an encephalitis or meningitis. We have like half of the cases, we don't know the origin of the disease because most of the um, microorganisms we can't um, cult uh, culture. So, and what is also important where the facility of the uh, um, um, that, where did we can also use the, um, this technology is uh, by, uh, by immunosuppressed uh, patients. Um, this technology is used, for example, um, 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 investigating of the transplanted organs to see if there is any microorganism might uh, uh, affect the immunosuppressed later because after the um, organ transplantation, you get um, immunosuppressed drugs, so that uh, we would like to know if there is any infection might uh, be in, in the, within the uh, um, organ, uh, which can cause uh, later illnesses. So um, this uh, uh, slide is very, very important uh, because when I saw this picture, I knew how important uh, will be in the future in the field of the clinical metagenomics. So when we look now, um, antimicrobial resistance, like we lose like 700,000 uh, people every year. Like when we, when, when we um, in year 2050, we will have about 10 million of people dying because of this uh, antimicrobial resistance. I'm, I'm sure you're aware of the problematic in the uh, very broad use of antibiotics and then new developing microorganism resistant to this uh, microorganism you're, I'm sure you're very aware of. And clinical metagenomics will be one of the key uh, methods uh, uh, um, we will uh, we, we will use in the very soon future, actually. So, uh, of course, we have a different type of uh, techno techniques or methods within the microbial uh, microbiological laboratory. And um, don't forget the virus you can cultivate really, and. It takes, as I said, days to weeks to get diagnosis. I was really surprised when I, once I was speaking to a, 
um, intensive care unit uh, colleague of mine, he said, you know, Elif, we, we need about 100 different type of tests to uh, diagnose uh, the, the, inf um, the microorganism which is causing sepsis. Whereas I could uh, do it within one test. Uh, uh, and he said, still, like 30% uh, of the cases, we never get any answer to that. And every minute counts. So just very, very brief briefly, I will uh, 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 explain the applications, uh, application of this uh, metagenomic sequencing. First of all, um, Where's the arrow? So, first of all, as I said uh, uh, here on the top, identification of the microorganism. Uh, but uh, one of the most important uh, reasons why we use the metagenomic sequencing is to detect uh, resistance uh, mechanisms, like to, to sequence the, um, the resistant genes and try to understand if the microorganism have any resistance. The other uh, part is to detection of specific level or strain level of virulence determinants like uh, endotoxins or exotoxins. We can we can uh, identify using uh, metagenomic sequencing, and uh, we can also use um, we can also uh, uh, sequence uh, the uh, viruses um, to see if there is any resistance antiviral resistance. In case of HIV, uh, we know. Different type of strains, HIV strains, are uh, resistant to different type of um, HIV uh, antiviral drug, uh, and we can use the metagenomic sequencing to to uh, to understand that. And on the other hand, um, we have the microbiome analysis. There are really at the moment many different type of projects of understanding the. Uh, our um, ecosystem in our body. So this is a, a very, very important part of the metagenomic sequencing is the, is the my um, uh, most important part of uh, the metagenomics area is the trans, um, uh, transcriptomic, uh, um, like when you extract uh, DNA on air RNA, it's, uh, on sequence the whole circulating uh, cell-free DNA, you can use the data of the uh, host, human host response. You can uh, sequence, uh, because you're sequencing all RNA and DNA, you can see the profile of the human response. You can say, oh, is that an infection? Um, uh, is the response to an infection or is that a non-infection response in case of, for example, um, sepsis? And on the other hand, you can also detect viruses which are causing uh, um, um, uh, cancer, for example. So, uh, and the, the best part of the meta, meta, uh, clinical metagenomics is, as I said, you can use the taxonomy to detect exactly, for example, uh, the resistance. This is, this is going to be the most important uh, field. So uh, infectious diseases rapidly evolving. Uh, in case of, for example, COVID-19, uh, um, uh, we, we, we are able to use using the metagenomic sequencing to, uh, uh, um, um, to see if there are new strains. For example, uh, in 
the, uh, the state where I am living in Germany, we had many projects where we um, sequenced the wastewater uh, treatment. We, we, we took water from the wastewater treatment facility, sequenced all the DNA and RNA in the liquid, for example, and we could see if in this part of the city uh, is, for example, a new strain of the um, of the COVID. And in case we find a new strain or a new strain never described, we could shut down the area of the uh, of uh, the city. And um, those are the methods you, you can be used um, uh, to put a, uh, uh, to to control the outbreak. Uh, and in the case of Ebola in the Africa, we used uh, next generation sequencing facility with the um, nanopore technology, for example, we could control the outbreak. The same story happened in the Zika virus uh, pandemic. Uh, we could use the metagenomic sequencing facility to control the outbreak. Uh, just uh, 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 very briefly, this is the first case reported in the history like a decade ago, a 14 years old a guy uh, was hospitalized four times. He was recent, uh, uh, brief, uh, briefly on a holiday in Puerto Rico. He got uh, four times hospitalized. He was 44 days in the uh, intensive care unit, and they had done over 100 um, type of tests. They had taken a brain biopsy, and he was um, in coma for a very long time. And they, then later they used the uh, uh, nanopore sequencing technology and they could, uh, within, within 48 hours, they could detect the microorganism which was ca causing, causing meningoencephalitis. They detected uh, the microorganism and um, very sadly uh, it, was, um, it, it was sensitive to the penicillin and he could uh, uh, um, go home like after two weeks. He was, uh, after two weeks of taking penicillin, he, uh, he got uh, healthy and he could go home. So we will see which type of methods we will use in our uh, uh, laboratory. But first of all, it will be, I think, uh, targeted uh, panels, like uh, for specific infection, we will use targeted panels. And later, we might be able to use nanopore technology for the detection. So we are at the moment uh, um, yeah, thinking about different type of facilities. Also, Kaijin gives us opportunity and databases um, we could use to detect microorganisms. So thank you very much for your attention. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted to talk. Great, thank you, Dr. Dagdan. As a reminder to our participants, if you have a question, you can type it in the Q&A box in the control panel. We'd like to ask attendees to take a moment after the webinar has ended to take our exit survey and give us your feedback. Uh, we can now start the Q&A. Um, when a genetic resistance marker is detected by metagenomic NGS, how do you know which organism is carrying the resistance gene and how important is that for patient care? Well, uh, uh, of course, it's very, very, very important to uh, detect the uh, um, uh, uh, resistance me uh, mechanism to be able to say which 
uh, antibiotics can be used in this infection. Uh, one of the most important things you have to understand when we sequence uh, the circulating DNA and we see different type of microorganism, of course, from the so-called um, mutation loss, uh, uh, infection loss, like amount of the infection within the bloodstream, we can, uh, of course, you have to see um, what type of uh, uh, symptoms the patient has. So uh, sometimes, uh, some, like uh, in case of cardiologists, um, um, endocarditis or myocarditis can be very variety of infection can cause the endocarditis and myocarditis, for example. We can, uh, uh, um, from the infection last, like we can make a heat map and see, okay, this infection seems to be way more than it should be. So we use different type of um, uh, um, uh, uh, I mean, the papers I have read, I, I didn't work yet in this area that will be next to do for me. So you, they can, from the heat map, figure out which infection can be all from the biopsies, not just the clinical metagenomic doesn't mean that you can use just the bloodstream. So you can take the biopsy and also sequence everything like, uh, uh, and, and try to detect the infection in the local, local biopsy. Um, can you comment on the use of plasma microbial cell-free DNA testing? Plasma cell-free DNA plasma? Uh, yeah, plasma microbial cell-free DNA testing. But, but I don't understand exactly the question. Um, so I guess whoever uh, wrote that question, if you want to write in... Um, some clarification, maybe a little more of what you're asking here. We can get back to that. Um, we'll go to another question for now. Yes. Um, can you, you mentioned a little bit about this. Can you talk about the current status of payment and reimbursement for these tests? I guess at least in Germany where you're based. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, this is our, actually our biggest problem in Germany. I'm sure some part of the uh, world you are used to you uh, used to pay for your health. So in, in Germany, we have uh, for century uh, health insurance, which is very, very expensive, but everyone has that. And we have the problem for the methods, uh, more, uh, oh, uh, like in case of clinical metagenomics, there is no insurance paying for those um, tests, for example. But the, in case of liquid biopsy, there are just few biomarkers uh, which we can re get reimbursed but the money we are getting not even covering the money we are uh, paying for the sequencing you know it's it's um uh, we have very big problems in germany with reimbursement and um, the other problem we have as i said we are we are not used to paying for the uh, from our side the paying for the test for example in other countries i know for example my colleagues in Turkey, they have different uh, view. They are used to, like the community is used to paying for the uh, um, for, for their health. Okay, you, uh, fair enough, you have to be able to pay this. But in case of clinical metagenomics, uh, they pay for uh, the um, test and they, uh, uh, they get the diagnostic, which is a little bit uh, problematic, a little bit problematic in Germany because none of the health insurances uh, is paying right now. And we are planning to, to use private um, 
patients to to pay for the tests. Uh, so we have some clarification on that previous question. Um, the person asking is asking sequencing of plasma for microbial cell-free DNA to diagnose infections. I'm I'm guessing um, like blood infections. Uh, the question is if it is possible to use blood to get the infection to be detected. Um, I, I think so, yeah. Can you comment on the use of plasma microbial cell-free DNA testing, i.e. Sequence of, sequencing of plasma for microbial cell-free DNA to diagnose so, infections? Yes, as I said, uh, the, the, the talk was about we can, we can, like every microorganism in our body is shedding their DNA or RNA, whatever it is, shedding their um, nucleic acid. So we are able from uh, 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 taking the, um, uh, uh, the like blood, drawing the blood, we can isolate from the blood the, uh, uh, biopsy. We can uh, uh, draw the circulating DNA and RNA and sequence it. So we, 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 we get the DNA and RNA which are cell-free in our blood we do um, a library and sequence it and try to detect from the uh, sequence data, detect the microorganism which is, um, which is within the, our body. Um, and we have another question here about detecting nucleic acids in exosomes. Is that something you've been working on clinically? No, but of course, uh, liquid biopsy doesn't mean just uh, sequencing um, DNA on RNA because of the time limit, I just focused on the DNA and RNA. We also collect uh, circulating uh, for the purpose of diagnostic of the tumor. We can also collect with, uh, from the blood uh, circulating tumor cells and do the diagnosis. And also exosomes are possible to collect the exosome, isolate the uh, a DNA, RNA, uh, which is, uh, to my knowledge, uh, way better than the circulating tumor uh, DNA and RNA, The exo because exosomes are stabilizing the DNA and RNA. You can also use those DNA and RNA for the profiling the, of the tumor tissue. Yes, because of uh, the time. Oh, sorry. Um, I th we've got time for, I think, one or two more questions here. What is the turnaround time for analyzing a patient sample with this kind of test? It depends uh, which technology you use. Uh, in case of, uh, like, you there are technologies, you can get your diagnosis within 10 minutes, like uh, in case of the nanopore sequencing. Okay, it's uh, error. Uh, uh, it, it makes a lot of error, but you can, with the data you generate, you can diagnose very sensitive your uh, infection. In case of NGS, the methods I'm using in our lab, like in case of liquid biopsy, uh, you can, uh, uh, you can, uh, it can take up to two days, three days, a week, uh, uh, like between two or three days to get the results. Depending how urgent it is, of course, you will. Like in case of a sepsis um, patient, uh, you will try to get the information as soon as possible. I would say like liquid biopsy two to three days and met clinical method genomics, depending which methods you use, uh, can be from 10 minutes to hours or days.
Got it. Well, we are uh, right at the top of the hour here. So unfortunately, we have to let you go. We did get some good questions in right at the end there. Um, we will be able to provide those to the sponsor um, to hopefully get back to uh, the people who asked those. Uh, we'd like to thank Elif Dagden and our sponsor, Kyogen. Uh, as a reminder, please look out for the survey after you log out to provide your feedback. If you missed any part of the webinar or if you'd like to listen to it again, an archived version will be emailed to all attendees. Thanks so much for joining us.